The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. The eve of the most important week in our industry, Customer Service Week, we get to have the pleasure, the privilege, the honor of having on the show the Jeannie Walters. Fireside Chats Without the Fires welcomes the Jeannie Walters on the eve of Customer Service Week. Jeannie, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. It's it's my pure pleasure to be here. Thank you for that introduction. I'm not sure I've ever been the anything, so thanks for that. <laughs> you have now been uh, baptized on the eve of Customer Service Week, the Jeannie Walters. Excellent. Glad to be here. Super to have you here. Paul, you're out there with us, right? I am Neil, and I am super stoked about this this podcast. The, the eve of customer service week, and here we are. I, I think I'm in a state of shock. I need to go and lie down for five minutes. I think. <laughs> well, we need you. You can't go do that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm staying. <laughs> T- today's show, as we alluded to, um, on the eve of customer service week, we'll, we'll get into some things that are we think are important to customer service week. And Jeannie's going to mention a, a really interesting surprise and something to look forward to uh, for her followers, for our audience, for her audience, for the customer care industry and community in, in general. So we'll get to that. Um, it is just a really exciting day. We're happy to have you, Jeannie. Let's get right into it. If I look, Jeannie, at your LinkedIn profile, there's so much in here. Each one of these items we could spend a bunch of time talking about. Um, for those that aren't following you yet, by the way, audience, follow Jeannie. It's <laughs> worth it. Trust me. Um, there's some really cool stuff in here. Uh, you are the global customer experience, comma, patient experience, keynote speaker, trainer, workshop leader mm-hmm. uh, for your own organization, Jeannie Walters. You are also the CEO and chief customer experience investigator for experience investigators. You are active in the Customer Experience Professionals Association, CXPA, uh, and you are also an author and instructor at LinkedIn Learning. How do you have time for all these things? <laughs> What's going on, man? There's a lot going on in this profile. Well, like like most entrepreneurs, right? I, I go, yeah, I can do that. Sure, sure, that sounds good. Um, but, you know, I've had this company since 2009, and it's it's an adventure, right? Like every every day I get to wake up and think, how can I make an impact and how can I help people help other people? And that just motivates the heck out of me. I love thinking that by helping others who serve people, we're making a better world. This yeah. is true. Yeah. Wow. Because we alluded to it, and here's the, let's see if I can make it pick up on the mic the proverbial drum roll, share with us a surprise for the community, something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Well, you might have heard me announce this on CX Day, but what we did was we started recognizing that, you know, I've been providing a lot of content through blogs. I do LinkedIn, LinkedIn Lives almost every Friday where we just answer questions for the community at large. And we're getting, you know, people who show up are from all over the globe. And they're all really trying to figure this all out, right? Like, what is this customer experience thing and how do we do it better? And so what we decided to do, me and my team at Experience Investigators, we decided that, you know what, we're going to give everybody a tool every two weeks. We are going to provide a free downloadable tool 
that anybody can sign up for. The first thing that we released was was really popular. It's been out there for a while called the Customer Experience Success Statement. And that's a way to guide somebody through figuring out how are we defining success around customer experience? It sounds like a simple question, it's not. So if you go to yearofcx.com, you can sign up, you can get the downloadables every two weeks. You can also get all the invitations to the LinkedIn Lives, everything else. We're doing this because we really believe that the work we do is something that is special and that a lot of people are struggling with, you know, how do I actually get the right information? How do I tell my executive team that this is important? How do I measure success? All of these bigger questions. So we're, we're just doing this because we think it's going to be helpful and valuable. And I look forward to also hearing from people like, what do you need? Let us know so that we can start providing those tools for you moving forward as well. So yearofcx.com. Yearofcx.com. That is sensational. And it, it will be free to sign up and, yep. and no one has to put a credit card down or. Nope. You just need wow. email. That's all we need. And we can, we'll send them to you every two weeks. If you want to, you can opt into all of our communications. Like our, we send a newsletter every week. We do our LinkedIn lives. We have a lot of free resources anyway. If you only want the downloadables every two weeks, you can sign up that way too. Love it. These are some great things to look forward to. Thank you so much for sharing that yeah. and uh, for allowing us to to portray it here on the uh, on the show. This is wonderful. Um, We're really excited. So, so we hope you are too. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. you, you mentioned the important word culture. Mm-hmm. And because we're here on the eve of, of customer service week, I think none of this exists without culture. Recently, you put out, uh, I believe on LinkedIn Live about a week ago, uh, a piece about the four C's of CX culture. And I thought that would be a great jumping off point for us to have a discussion today. For those that didn't see it, we and by the way, I'm certainly one of these people. I love something that's nice and packaged, easy to understand, a couple bullet points, an acronym, some initials, something. I, I love this. This this is sensational. You've made it, I think, very easy. What are the four C's for those of us that need a little dose, spoon fed, mm-hmm. something <laughs> simple and easy uh, that don't, doesn't make us think too much? Tell us what those four C's are. Sure. So we were focused on what is a customer experience culture? Like, how do you nurture that and build that? And it really comes around to these four C's, which is conscience, meaning that kind of the overall collective conscience of the organization. How can you make sure everybody's aligned with the values, the vision, things like that? Uh, Communication, which is critical to any culture, but also very critical to customer experience. And so how can you make sure that you're communicating inside the organization beyond just the frontline workers, beyond just the people who think they're in customer service? How do you communicate about customer experience throughout the organization? That's a big question to ask about culture. Consistency. And this is really about, are you being consistent both inside and outside the organization? Like, are you showing up the same way? on both sides of that coin. And then credibility. You know, a, there's a lot of talk around customer experience. People love to say, we're customer centric, or, you know, this is the year of us focused on customers. And they say things like that, but then they don't make any real changes and there's no behavioral change. There are no actions. So credibility is about, are you w- walking the talk? Are you actually putting actions to those words? So if you hit all those four C's, and if you really ask yourself, 
how are we doing here? It can, it can help you figure out which levers do we need to pull inside our organization? Where do we need to focus in order to become more customer centric, in order to deliver on the customer experience more effectively? So we kind of joke about it because there are four C's in when you evaluate diamonds, you know, they talk about the four C's of diamonds. And that's not a yes or no, that's a grade, you know, it's a scale. And so we encourage people to think about these four C's in the same way where you look and you think, okay, well, you know, we're pretty good at communication, let's say. We're, we're gonna give ourselves a high rank on that, but man, consistency, we are not very consistent. So how could we move, how can we make progress and just plan on those little steps because otherwise it can be so overwhelming when you talk about culture and people talk about huge structural cultural change and you can literally see the CEO go, whoa, <laughs> we're not gonna do that. And so this is just a guide. It's a way to help people really step through that and figure out how they can make significant changes to their culture to become more customer, customer centric, but at the same time, not try to boil the ocean right away. Why do you think it is that organizations have difficulty with these things? Because, by the way, I think what you just described, they're, 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 they're basic. They're not rocket science. Right. They're so smart and logical. And yet organizations have so much difficulty actually implementing and sticking to them. I'll, I'll admit on, on the mic here. We challenge. We are very challenged with these things. I, I own and operate a BPO, and we have to be multiple things to multiple companies and brands. So that creates its own unique challenge. But the bottom line is there. There needs to be a common thread of what customer the importance of customer experience, uh, and and when we have that challenge, and and what I've told my team is, customer experience is not a pizza party. Mm-hmm. It's not a poster. It's not a banner. It's great to try to celebrate it during a one week period, customer service week, mm-hmm. but that's just one of the 52 weeks of the year. But it's hard for us. Why the heck is it so hard for us? I mean, I think there are lots of reasons that we can look back on historically. One is if you look at any business plan, they don't even mention customers after the sale. A traditional business plan really talks about How do you get customers? How do you find customers? How do you sell to customers? And then what are the back-end operations that you need to worry about? So we have not been taught as business people to think about this as part of a business. The way I look at customer experience, it's really three things. It's a mindset, it's a strategy, and it's a business discipline. And that's the part that we often forget. We, you know, I I kind of joke about it because there anybody can stand up and say, you know what? Be nice to customers. I'm going to write a book about being nice to customers and why you should be nice to customers. Anybody can say that. But when the rubber meets the road, there are there are obstacles to this. When you're running a business, you have so many different hats to wear. I know this, right? Like I live this. And so it's easy to think like this doesn't really matter to our customers. They don't really care about hearing from us in the same way. They know that I'm there for them we make assumptions, you know, they love us. We make all of these assumptions because we don't treat it like a business discipline. I mean, can you imagine a world where the sales team has a bad quarter and the CEO says, well, I guess we should just get rid of sales. That would never, ever happen. But that happens to CX teams all the time because we haven't taken the time to define success 
to really communicate about it and to share that this is this is how we do business, right? You have to really believe that. And you look at any of the disruptors of the last 20 years, they've all been focused on experience. They've all seen opportunities where they've said, yeah, we could deliver the same, the same product, but we're gonna do it differently. Those have been the disruptors. And so I think we need to start making a case that first of all, it's more than exactly what you said, Neil, it's more than a banner, it's more than a saying, it's more than any of those things. It's about this idea that this is who we are and this is how we show up. And if we can't get that right, then customers will be loyal until they're not. Because that's the other story we tell ourselves, right? Our customers are so loyal, they'll never leave us. I mean, how many, how many clients have I had who have said things to me like, my customers will never do things on their mobile phones. They just won't. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> so we have to really look at this in a bigger way, in a more kind of values-driven way than I think many organizations are. There's one thing that you alluded to uh, in that piece of that, that LinkedIn Live, that, that the, the the session you did, mm -hmm. you broke down the difference between product centricity versus customer centricity, mm -hmm. and that made me really think. And I thought, wait a minute, what, th is this a chicken or the egg thing? Because I think that a company, a brand, must have the product, product or service, right? It, right. They have to have that clearly defined and created. Because when there's breakdowns in that, that's what then creates the problem for the customer. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they are mutually exclusive. That you must have one over the other. Do you have to have both? What, what's, yeah. your, what's your thought? Well, I think what I meant by that is, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of um, uh, software providers, like software as a service and technology focused companies, and sometimes they get so obsessed with their product roadmap that they put on blinders to everything else. Meaning that if you come to them and say, you know what, gosh, customers didn't really love this feature in the last one. Can we, can we look at shifting this? They're like, well, nope, that's not part of the roadmap, sorry. And I think that's the attitude where if you do treat them, to your point, if, if you do treat those two ideas as mutually exclusive, then what happens is you have a siloed product team who is so focused on delivery and you know deployment that they kind of lose sight of who they're doing this for. And then you have a customer service attitude of, well, that's up to customer service to fix the issues. And customer experience is proactive. It's about designing the experience for your customers. It's about responsiveness. It's about responding to the feedback that they give you so that you can deliver a better experience for them. And I think a lot of times what I've seen is it's about the product and that's what it is, right? Um, I, I've worked with a lot of financial services too and insurance always comes up where they're like, well, we're doing our job. And I was like, yeah, but you send them a policy deck that is literally 250 pages, yeah. And then you wonder why they didn't read it. I mean, that's customer experience. And if you're solely focused on the product, then you kind of miss what the actual experience is. Yeah, it's so true. I think the the culprits, the easy targets in this that 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 commit these these violent crimes against the customer are software, healthcare, financial services, especially the you know non banking, non retail banking, the harder, more complex stuff. 
yeah. investments, insurance, and, and these things. I, I, I agree. But by the way, I think the, 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 the uh, way you structured it of product-centric versus customer-centric, I love it. I think there's a, there's a, great, a great argument. Um, tell us if you can, and, and I know we, we have this at the end, but some other examples of companies that are doing the four C's or three of the four C's well in your vision. Mm-hmm. Like always, you know, people like to be able to point and say, look, there's right. someone that does it well. By the way, if I'm gonna make it a little bit harder for you, please don't use Amazon Zappos or Southwest Airlines. Those yeah. are typically the three that, you know, everyone points to. And those are easy. Yeah. Those are those are great examples. They are. Any, any companies outside of those that you, mm-hmm. you know, that you could recommend uh, for us to look at? Well, I mean, one of my go-tos is always, and it's it's an example a lot of people have used too, but I think Nordstrom does a phenomenal job with this because they really are, I mean, and all of those examples that you brought up, by the way, they all start with the customer. I mean, that's what sets Southwest apart is that they literally start with the customer and not the product. And I think that's the difference. And so Nordstrom is like that. They started with, we're going to provide exceptional service. We're going to do that by treating our employees exceptionally well. And then they built all of these things around that. And they're innovating around the customer experience right now in ways that other retailers just aren't. And they are looking ahead at things like having smaller physical footprints for their stores so that they can integrate the digital experience in a more meaningful way. Because they know that, you know, this 2020s changed us and we're not going to go back to exactly what it was in 2019, right? Like that's gone. And so now they're starting to realize people want to order things digitally. But one of the great things about Nordstrom in the past was, you know, they were very full service. You could get alterations right there. You could you could ask for, you know, what shoes will match this and get a personal shopper to help you, all of these different things. And so what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we know people like the convenience of digital, but we know they have some reservations about that because what if it doesn't fit? What if they can't do something? What if they don't know how to style it? So they're creating these things called Nordstrom Local, which are small footprint stores, which actually aren't stores. They don't have inventory. It's just about service. So you can order it digitally, pick it up there and meet with a tailor, meet with a personal stylist who can help you through that process. So it's highly personalized but it's also responding to the real needs of customers today. And I think they do that because they listen to their employees. They have lots of open communication and they are consistently who they are. You you know that when you go into a Nordstrom, they, you're going to get certain aspects of service. You know, they're they're known for walking around the counter to hand the bag to the customer. Like that's that's a very specific thing for them. And I've noticed, and I I will be honest, I don't know as much about this next company, but there's a grocery store chain here in the Chicago area called Mariano's. It's, um, I believe it's owned by, uh, I'm not gonna say that because I'm not sure, so I'm not gonna say that. (laughs) But uh, one of the things that I wrote about on the blog a couple of years ago was, I, I used to record the podcast in a studio and there was Mariano's across the street. So I would go and get, they had this great salad bar and everything else. And during the winter months here in Chicago, you know, I like soup. So we would get, I would get my little soup. And I noticed after going there a few times, every single cashier I had would knot the bag a certain way with the soup so that it didn't spill. Super small thing. But think about that. That was so consistent 
that they actually took the time to think, okay, because everybody's had that thing where they shove it in the bag and by the time you even get the bag, the soup is halfway, halfway gone. Um, they figured that out and they said, we're going to address that not only with, with one or two people who happened to figure that out. That was a consistent point of the experience. That's a culture thing. That's so true. And, and by the way, just thinking out loud, there is an element to product with that. Mm -hmm. The soup product, right? They thought about the soup product. It's the soup product is not just the thing, the hot thing that's sitting over there next to the salad bar. The soup product is the hot liquid that needs to be packaged and needs yeah. to be transacted for and then needs to be schlepped back home somehow. They thought about that yep. so that the customer portion of it, the journey portion of this would be seamless and flawless and frictionless. Right. Because right, if, if you think about it, um, you get your soup, it gets placed in the bag. What happens on the way home? It could get knocked around in your car. If it's a plastic bag, you imagine hot soup on the plastic bag, it could melt the bag, it could make a mess of your car. If it's a paper bag, it's even worse. You take it out of the thing, it feels like gush, it's terrible. You would never come back. You never get soup again. Right. In contrast, because it did it the right way, involving the customer journey and culture, you have now returned. It sounds like you said it, you wrote it a couple of years ago. You're now a customer that generated significant lifetime value just based on one of their yep. trillions of SKUs they have in that in that grocery chain. I That's love it. Exactly right. And you know, you bring up a really good point because sometimes people make the mistake of thinking the product isn't part of the customer experience. And I did a podcast a while ago where they said, "Well, yeah, if you go to a restaurant and you pay." $80 for a steak in one place, but it's all high end. And then you go to a burger place and it's this, but it's, you know, it's the same experience. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> like, I, I, I love a good restaurant, right? Like there is something different about high end food and we're willing to pay for that. It's not just about the outside experience. In the case of Mariano's soup, it's also really good soup, right? Like that has to be part of it. And so you yeah. can't separate those two things. You have to really look at the experience as uh, as universal, as holistic, because it really is about all of those different ways that we interact with customers. Who would have thought that we could break soup down and the importance of soup <laughs> in the customer care world? Love this it. Is, I Love hope it. this is good podcast you know, material Brilliant. for everybody out there. I bet you didn't think you'd hear so much about soup. <laughs> Love it. Uh, let's uh, as let's kind of start to, to wind down to the final third here. Um, we always ask our guests to share thoughts around three particular ideas. We would love for you to take an axe to a CX myth. Bust a myth. What is yeah. a common uh, thought out there that you say, you know what, bullocks, uh, just take an axe to it. What, what would it be? Bullocks. I'm saying that for Paul. I've never said bullocks know, in my I life. It. <laughs> it, just, it just entered in my mind, bullocks. <laughs> Love it. Brilliant. That's another one. Uh, there you go. Brilliant. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I, I see a lot of folks who say things like, well, our NPS is a little better than our competitors. So we're doing fine. Or they say the numbers are good enough. And we basically are measuring customer experience metrics like net promoter score or customer satisfaction or all these other things. And we're saying, eh, well, nobody's really great at it, but we're, we're, we're mediocre at least. And we kind of justify it that way. That is not good customer experience. Customer experience that is good is good. We, we have to recognize that. So I don't think it's enough to aim for a smidge I don't think it's enough to say, well, you know, in our industry, I hear that a lot too. In our industry, 
we're we're like middle of the road, so we're fine. No, you're not. If if your NPS is 60, you know, like you're not doing fine. You need to really look at what are the issues and make sure that you're really delivering on customer experience. It's not all about the numbers. It's not all about the numbers. By the way, numbers are so tricky. You can, what is it? Statistics are like lampposts. You can lean on them any way you want. It's so <laughs> true with these, with the numbers in our world. You can say, look, we're in, in, so Paul and I are, are, are contact center geeks, right? We, we live and breathe the operation of the contact center. And we could say, yeah, our service levels are great. So everything is great. The customer experience is great. We're answering their calls or their chats on time. They're not waiting. So we make the next logical jump customer experience is great wonderful yeah. and by the way our qa scores are also really good they're you know they're 82 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great and we, we it, the mental check we're good yeah no it, it's not necessarily reflective of the true customer experience i agree yeah yep. love it uh tell us i think you have two quotes in the cx world that mean something to you mm -hmm. do you have them up what would those yeah. be? Share them with us. And I love one of these, by the way. I love both of them, but there's one particular that I really like. And I'll, I'll let you, you tell us what they are. Well, and they're not exactly customer experience, you know, quotes exactly. But the one that I think many people have heard from Maya Angelou before is, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And in my opinion, that's really what we're aiming for, right? Like we are trying to help people feel something and walk away and feel accomplished or uh, secure or, you know, valued, all of these things. And I think we often focus a lot on the semantics of it, the the tactics of, you know, a call center script. We say, well, you say these things, but really we have to remember what we're aiming for. We have to remember that feeling, that emotion. So that's why I like that one. Um, is that the one you liked or was it, is it the next one? So uh, it's actually, it's the next one. I love this one, by the way, because yes. it's so true. There, there is a qualitative part to what we do. There's a an art to the science. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's the, the Maya Angelou quote absolutely does. No, no, it's the next one also that I really mm -hmm. love. And I'll, and I'll mention why, why I particularly love it. What, what is it? Sure. It's this one's from Walt Disney, another customer experience. You know, everybody talks about him. But when you're curious, you find lots of interesting things to do. And I love this because one of my kind of core values is curiosity. And the reason that I named my company Experience Investigators is because I believe there's always something more to learn. There's always something more to find and discover. And when we're working with, you know, customer experience issues, I, I get so excited about the idea of like, oh, if we, if we look over here, if we pick up this rock and look underneath, what are we going to find? And I think you have to be curious in this line of work because otherwise it's too easy to dismiss people. It's too easy to dismiss ideas. And if you're curious, all of a sudden the world opens up. So that's that's why I like that one. I, I love it. I love it because it, it resonates for what I'm going through right now in my company. We just uh, integrated a new piece of speech analytics technology. Mm. And it's brand new for us, but I'm really curious. And with some of the leaders, we, we did an exercise where we just opened it up and we shared screens and we looked at the software and, okay, what does this do? What does this say? We click here. And we started to drill down and drill down and drill down and drill down. And you never really know what you don't know until you realize what you don't know. Yeah. And, and we found out there's a lot of stuff we didn't know or understand, good and bad. But if you're not curious to double click, yeah. to open, to have 35 tabs open at the same time and flip back and forth and try to make relations and tr figure stuff out, you're never going to get anywhere. Yep. I totally agree. I totally agree. Love it.
Let's go to the final third as we wind down here. Who is your CX Hero of the Week? So this is kind of a funny one because I haven't always loved the experience I've had with this brand before. But I, uh, you know, like everybody, I'm at home uh, working and managing the kids at home and everything. And I am doing so many video chats and webinars and things like that. And my desk is actually positioned under a skylight which has been great for like natural light keeps me energized but it's not always great for lighting <laughs> so i've had to figure out okay do they sell skylight shades what's happening i'm trying to, so i've been going through this process online and i ended up with home depot of all places but i couldn't figure out the color that i was seeing online so one of the things they did that impressed me was they sent me a personal uh, shopper type person who could guide me through the process. So she's been emailing me and I just mentioned like, how can I really see these colors? And she kind of said, you can, you can stop in a store. They've got big books, whatever. I was like, okay. But I was thinking, well, I'm not sure when I'm going to do that. And then lo and behold, two days later, I got this little sample kit with all of my little swatches and she, right. she totally just stepped up and did it. So I'm giving a shout out to Aisha at Home Depot because she's been really, really helpful. And just that whole process, I thought, showed that they were really thinking about the experience. So a little well shout done. out. Well done. Well done. Yeah, well done, Aisha. Well done, Home Depot. I got to say, Home Absolutely. Depot is not one of the usual suspects when someone points to examples of good customer experience. So it's, yeah. it's nice to see, see them show up. Um, and by the way, Home Depot, a, a, a major player in the C word, COVID-19, you know, mm -hmm. people are going to, to, to Home Depot, they need stuff, they need, yep. they need things. And, and uh, they've been an incredible source of solutions, I think, for so many consumers, he, certainly here in the US. Yeah. This is wonderful. Um, Jeannie, as we as we wind down here, a couple thoughts. You've now added a V to your name, you're now hopefully known as <laughs> the Jeannie Walters. We've loved having you. Your insight has been sensational. Uh, I am so proud. I think if I could speak for Paul, so proud that you announced, and I'm going to ask you to repeat in just a second, the surprise that you're offering uh, your listeners and your followers, that you announced it here on our podcast. Um, and uh, please come back. This is great. Yeah, we got lots of things we want to hopefully continue to talk about with you. It was just sensational to have you as part of the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all you guys are doing. Uh, all these conversations, they're important. They inspire people and they help us do our best work. So thank you for that. For those that aren't following you and those that might not have uh, tuned in or forgotten, where do they to, where do they get uh, go to to become part of the recipient list of uh, what you are you are providing sure. uh, um, your followers? Sure. What is the so, website again? So it's yearofcx.com where you can sign up for those every two week tools deliverables. Uh, we're and we're interested in hearing from you. What what do you want to see? What do you feel would be beneficial, but already out there, there's the customer experience success statement workbook. There is a CX mission um, tool. There are, there's something we use called SMIRC, which is an, another acronym for how to set goals. Um, so you can figure out your own SMIRC goals. And uh, yeah, we're just providing as much, you know, valuable content as we can, because we really believe in the work that customer experience professionals do. Wonderful. Okay. Paul, how do we wrap this up here? What's a, what's a final parting word for Jeannie here? It, this is hard to wrap up because it's so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I'm, not, I, I'm convinced I'm not capable of wrapping it up. But I, what I would say is that this is the first time not only did we get a world exclusive from Jeannie, but we also <laughs> mentioned soup on the podcast. That's never been done before. Well, that's so a I win. Think, 
There you go, right? Ginny, it's been an absolute pleasure. You're an absolute rock star, and I've enjoyed listening to your conversation. I love following you on on LinkedIn. Your insights are second to none, and I'm still in a state state of shock that we've had the Ginny Walters on (laughs) on the the podcast. So thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you both. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, concluding with The Genie Walters. Thank you once again, audience. Tune in for the next wonderful episode. Thanks, everyone. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.